well. This is the countdown. <clears throat> welcome, welcome to the rundown, Coleman. I appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me today. So right off, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into some of the runs from the Lone Star Shootout last year. Uh, obviously, this is pretty cool to see because real fast roping. It's one of the best opens of the whole year. So, Absolutely. And it's one of our first majors, you know, so there is, I mean, big chance right here. They give away those trailers of one second twice, which I love. I don't want to, I mean, winning seconds, Lone Star Shootout, plenty good. But my gosh, I want one of those trailers. Because you know how like the straight, yeah, you want the rig, you know what I mean? Well, and, you know, like you drive past like TG's place mm. and it, it, the trailers pop and same way with the George Strait trucks right. and trailers, like them guys kept the the old Burton. You know, it is kind of fun. I still got mine. I, uh, it is kind of fun. That wasn't even a plug. That wasn't even did, like a... Did you keep your truck too? Or? No, I sold it. Yeah. Man. Are you kidding me? I had to... That's how I got the first toter. Oh. It wasn't technically a full-on toter, but it was a steps towards my first toter. Baby step. You ba bet. Baby step towards the toter. But it is funny how, like, you know, at home, when I would drive the straight truck into town, like, people always knew who it was. You know, they knew who, they're like, oh, Coleman's over there at the Taco Bell again. Look at there, you know. Wow. Yeah. And uh, now you go to Stephenville, and my dad, it was funny one time, we went to Fort Worth just the other day. He's like, who's that? Now who'd, be, now, who'd that be? They won the straight. Now, who'd that be? I'm like, heck, that I don't know. He's from Steamville, Texas, I assume, because there's 47 of those rigs you see going anywhere. Go to Panda Express. You're going to see three straight trucks, five straight trailers, some Lone Star Shootout trailers, the whole gig right here, Steamville, Texas. Pretty much every time you're uh, you're around town, it's uh, they're still floating around pretty good. So and all that being said, to say, I would really like to win first. But when you're half a second behind Dustin Exquisa, second is plenty good. Yeah, it's hard to go for first when that guy's in front of you. He oh, just, man. He's uh. He's one of the guys. He's one of the guys. That, amazing. Yeah. Another Lone Star in Dorsey that's amazing. Yeah. He's a couple couple Lone Star guys. <laughs> All right. Well, let's yeah. uh let's go to this. Kind of tell me what you think of these these runs right here. You know, this is uh first round. So the, the format at Lone Star Shootout mm -hmm. is everyone ropes. It's the same as uh the George Strait for those who are familiar with it. But uh you qualified on day one and then they bring back like right around 60 teams and it's a clean slate, three head average, everyone gets all three. Uh, so what, what's kind of the game plan going into the, the Lone Star shootout? Also, like they got a rope barrier we can see, so we mm -hmm. can talk about like how you hit the barrier, but, uh, you know, what's the move and what's the game plan? Man, well, let's dive just a little deeper into that. You know, our qualifying round here was on Friday, and I believe the short round was, was it on Sunday evening last year? Yep, Sunday So evening. you've had a day or two. So in the meantime, like this is a younger horse I'm riding here, a horse I called Jesse James, uh, stolen from my wife. He got a little too strong in the barrel racing. And... When I came to get roping with Logan, you know, Heisman, my good horse, he's been sick. He's not running this hard. And it really made me throw this little sorrel into the fire. So this is Friday morning. He feels like the most unbelievable head horse I've ever rode. Did a great job. Uh, Friday night, I believe, or, yeah, Friday night, we have to go back to San Antonio on Saturday nights of finals. So we end up Saturday night at the finals, and he gets smooth, freaked out. Like, lights go dark. They have a laser show. I mean, think about it. This horse has never really been in front of a crowd to begin with. Now here we are Saturday night, short round. Like he's lathered up. He tries to run over Clay Trine. So I've really gotten some bad experiences rolling into this. We've been to the American semifinals this, the, the morning of the Lone Star shootout here. So like you've had a lot going on, right? And this is kind of our rebound. You, you've, now you've come together. Now we've got a three-head average tonight. My options are right, Heisman, who's still not 100%, but – you know, and I told my wife when I showed up, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ride Jesse James. I'm going to talk to him really sweet and explain to him if you'll give me three good goals to barrier tonight. And I said, we're going to go be five flat on every steer, and I'll be happy winning third. So that was my mentality pulling back into the rope. And I'm going to use, I have one of the most unbelievable healers in the game on the best heel horse maybe ever created. I mean, arguably, I think this horse will historically go down as 
it, one of the greatest of all times. It's getting close to that point where you got to make make that argument for that. Hill right. Horse. I mean, he's unreal. How I many? There's not been a lot of them that have won it three times in a row. He's won it twice now. You yep. know what I mean? It'd be interesting to see if he does it next year. <laughs> if he's got a header in front of him and give him enough spins to show that horse off enough, you know. Right. Well, anyway, so pulling in, I know I've got a good horse. My man has an incredible horse, and I have an incredible talent behind me. So my setup going into it was I want to be on the barrier all night, and I'm really jackpot. And you'll notice every one of these runs, I'm going to be coming with my rope down. In other words, I'm going to be trying to keep my horse quiet. He's already been upset. You know, he's there's just a lot of things you got to manage, especially as a header. I mean, you know, you bounce around. We've had all these different setups, and here you are back at a major event. And we haven't had a week to prepare only for this. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So bouncing in, I know like, man, I'm going to put a lot more heat on my partner. I'm just going to go set the table and let's see how fast our run can be. Right. So this is round one, pretty good steer. And on this horse that I'm riding, you know, my approach is to scoring is you're always watching the cow. Like when I back in the box right here, I'm focused on the horns. You'll see my face. Like I am dead eyed. I love this pencil thing, man. It's amazing. Yeah. We're moving on up with this, ain't we? So right here is the buckle. And I talk a little bit about this earlier is, I'm, I don't know where I saw that chimpanzees love looking at themselves in the mirror. I don't know if that's what it is, but like the buckle is shiny. So my eye can always get on it. When I read the book, the inner game of tennis, it talks about finding the laces of a tennis ball and the seeing the rotation that makes it easier for you to make reactions on it. Yeah. So we're in a sport where this thing's always moving. So everything I need to be doing has to be off of it. So I want to start scoring with it. I want to see it in the minute I back in the box. I want to get my eyes on it. I want to see my rope already going on it. So I'm bared down looking at the target. I have no idea what this steer does. I'm one of the worst guys. And like when we roped a while ago, you knew every steer that you had. Yeah. I've roped my steer since 2019. I still can't tell you what they all do. Right. I, I'm, and which is great and terrible all at once because I always rope the steer that leaves a shoe. Does that make sense? Like I'm making a play off of what he shows me this time. I tell people all the time, he might've ran last time, but that guy might've missed the barrier by, you know, a foot. So rope the steer that walks in the shoot, not the one that, that ran previously, if yeah. that makes sense. And that and, and rodeo, and that's very important, you know. Steers like, will change fast. Exactly. And then you talk to somebody, you know, I want to see a video of him because I just want to see how he leaves. I want to make sure he doesn't do something funny. So I'm making a read completely off of when he leaves the shoot. Um, I believe the barrier, I had it like same as. It seems like it always pulls a little faster there at the Lone Star. So really, I'm trying to see neck rope point, you know. But on this horse, you don't flinch. Like, you you better be just a touch late rather than a touch ahead of it. Like, you're not rating him a whole lot. Like, he is going to be screaming gears. Right. Is the thought. So, that's my, been, I mean, it's a long way of telling you that was my approach. Like, I was broke, needing to win, and uh, my horse is green, a little bit upset. I just want to go turn three steers for my partner. You are the, uh, the rodeo cowboy right here. This is like the the typical rodeo cowboy situation. And, All right. Uh, and and then you know this is a the the one thing about that putting a, a young horse in situation there's going to be you you've kind of got a game plan for your horse as well and kind of mm -hmm. and and build a run that that works for your horse so I, that that makes a well, lot of sense. Well there's just I mean people cuz they see it people see it from the surface and it's like man there's so many variables that come into play. You know what I mean? Like that's I'm just telling you the cards that I was dealt like here's what we're dealing with. So yep. but I get a good start on this steer I think. Gates bang. I see my start and you notice like I am forward and with my horse the whole way. And I say, like, I'm going to be jackpot. And, like, I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to run all the way to him by any means. Let's look and see what kind of start I got. Left hand goes forward. My feet come out. And then watch where my first swing goes. It's going to roll up. And I'm going to point that down right at the cow. Notice my hand's just going to be above the tip. A little, could be a little sharper, honestly. And, honestly, it being a little flat is probably why it hits him in the shoulder on the way in. But, I mean, I'm gaffed out. Speedy would be proud of me right here because I'm kicking. Now, right here, when I cut it loose, notice where my rope's going to hit. 
And this is the part that I would have cleaned up if I was to pick it apart. You see how, bam, right there. See where that rope hits in the middle of his back right here? Anytime that rope hits, your, your curl is going to start, your tip's going to start coming to the left. In other words, my, my Honda is going to fly facing the tip until it touches my left hand or it hits something. Notice how that Honda turns back. And it kind of drug down his back, right? I was fortunate that he got all the way to the back of his horns before it, before it started getting tight. But if you'll back it up just a little bit. You know, we talked earlier a little bit about, uh, oh, shoot, sorry. There we go. We talked a little bit earlier about, like, keeping it on horns, in other words, right? So this one slides up behind his horns. And let's just watch what my curl does. Yeah, you see it makes contact middle of the back. It's coming on in, slides on down there. Boom. See how it never curls? There's no curl. This is just open. This good Lone Star lays right down on his horns and comes tight. Right. Pretty fortunate, if you want to know the truth. See how steer starts? He kind of want to put his head down just a little bit. But all in all, was tickled. that it, I mean, like, because when I cut it loose, I remember that being like, oh, baby, stay on there. You know what I mean? As I get my wrap. Now, when I start coming to the left, this steer is going to start stepping around with me. Man, I love this eraser. Yeah, so, that, that head kind of drops and he steps into you. Well, his body moves, like the middle of, the, of his back. Now, I've learned this about healing. Healing for years, you know, healers make plays off of what we show them and other they should be anyway. So the line that I show my partner coming out of the turn is what I need to maintain. So right here, when I set him, when I go to setting on the corner, like Logan's making a play off of what he's seeing. And let's see when I finally get this steer switched right there. Boom. Back it up a half a stride. If you can, is that possible? Okay. So this is the line I'm talking about. Like this would be the end of the switch. If I drew a line right down the middle of his back, if I maintain that line, like he's dead to rights. Okay. And, and that's, to me, what you show your partner coming out of the switch, that's where you start getting chemistry coming together. That's where you can cut the fat out of the run. Your partner's not having to wait on, well, show me something. Because Speedy used to tell me you need to telegraph the pass. Well, I didn't understand what he meant. So for me, this was my interpretation of telegraphing the pass. I know that when I heal, I'm riding the turn, and where the steer finishes switching, that's where I'm positioning my horse, my body, my swing over that. So if I if my header maintains it, it's easier for me to look at, right? Yeah. And then vice versa, like with Jake and I, we used to up the fast lane. If I wanted Jake Long to miss a fast lane, I'd just spin his head and swing his hips back inside, and he'd cut it loose and be like, are you kidding me? And it's kind of the same principle with healing. If you want your partner to miss, give his head back and let those hips swing back to the inside. It makes his angles all messed up. Because we want to think as headers that we can control the whole body. But we can't. I'm a header. I'm looking at this part right here. Right, and I want you to watch as this steer takes a step forward. What I did a good job of is that front right leg, and all these runs you're going to see, the front right leg to me is the most important part of handling a steer, opening him up. I want it reaching forward. I want to give my partner all kinds of room to look down there at him. You know what I mean? So it was a good run. We were four seven. I was tickled with it. This is a really good run, um, especially for as much momentum as that steer had on him. To begin with, and then to kind of get a little bit old. Well, on him, him, you know? him throwing like when I stuck it on him in the way that the steer kind of changed lanes with me. And my partner did an amazing job of continuing running the route around him. Right, like he continued. He didn't see the first slightest move or my horse moving. He was reading the cow, not me or the you know or the or what he perceived that I was fixing to do. He read what I showed him. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing we've been working a lot on. And that's one thing that we really worked on for the finals. And that's ultimately, you know, why we had a pretty good finals, I think, is because our rhythm together. Yeah. You know? So here round two, I didn't know anything about this steer either. Get a great start. And then when I went to throw, you notice that sucker is kind of dirty headed. 
And when on the way in, here's how focused I am on that, on that target. When I take off, I have my eyes on it. And I can always tell you when I'm kind of in the zone, I'm, I'm seeing it a thousand percent and watch where this loop gets to. When I make this one hit, it hits more up in behind his neck. You know what I'm saying? Like it comes, it skates a little bit, but see, I got to the back of the horns. Yeah. Now watch where this curl goes. All the way to the back of the head. Wow. That's how you seal horns in. The more I can get my rope to the back of his horns, the more the curl is going to come back around to it. Does that make sense? So that's why, oh, I don't know why. There we go. That's why for me, if I want to keep it on any kind of horns, I'm bedding that sucker down right in behind the back of it. Yep. In my mind, that's where that sucker's hidden. So when I stuck this one, now we're kind of off to the left here. It's kind of hard to tell uh, with the angle of your shot. We're off to the left. When I stick it on him, He's kind of wanting to be old. Watch his hips. He's wanting to push, pull those hips back to the inside right there at the end. You can tell. Back it up a little bit. He wants to pull now one more stride back that way uh, towards the towards like the beginning of the corner. And here's just a little more what I was talking about. Like when I go to get a hold of him right here, it's time to move the saddle horn. Like in other words, it's time to take it from where it's at to keep pulling the saddle horn back. I used to worry so much about the horse's head, his his hips, what his leg was doing, and at the end of the day. What matters is what this saddle horn does. You know, you've seen very great horses that tip their hope nose to the left. Maybe they get their butt under the rope. They do a lot of weird things, but they all do the same thing. They all move the saddle horn when it's time. And like Jesse James can get strong and, and not give me the saddle horn. But like right here, he did a great job. As I got a hold of this steer's head, you could tell he's fixing to try to fight it. Right here, he's going to try to kind of lift on it. When he does, you watch how I never surrender that front right foot ever. See this? And look at the area I give my partner. Once again, I'm going to maintain that line through the back of his head. The yeah. line I've showed my partner, I'm going to maintain it. No matter what's going down, I'm keeping him on that. I'm not letting his hips fall this way. Right. I'm not ever letting his hips come back that direction. And this one's going to fight me. Notice he's twisting his head. And then look, boom. See how he's wanting to take his hips away from him? From my partner. He's wanting to take his hips away from him. But you notice how I'm keeping torque up here on his head the whole time. And he's trying. That's a typical old move, a steer that can get his head back to the right. His hips, when their head goes to the right, their hips are going to the left. So think about when you're pulling the steer across the arena for your partner, if his hips are to the right and his head's to the left, that's perfect. Well, as soon as his head goes to the right and his hips go to the left, things get difficult. Yeah, and they can give you that little hop right there, like where a lot, if you lose pressure right there, this is real easy for that heel rope to get low and lose legs Absolutely. and lose feet. So like when you lose their head as you're facing, uh, lose pressure on the horns, that, that is one time where, you know, you'll see a lot of legs slipped right there Absolutely. at the end. And it's, you know, a lot of healers say they should get them, but a lot of, it's, it's funny how, that out. you know, a lot of my stories include Jake Long because that's, I mean, ultimately that's why I started heading because yeah. we wanted rope together and he wasn't going to try it. You know, he was actually better at it, but, and you know, if Jake Long was listening, he knew I could handle the feet. If yeah. we're being real, you know, <laughs> he knows. I always tell him that, he, he you know? knows, but anyways, you know, we would be back in the day, all the PRCA rodeos, anything that was like three head, it was uh, three loops. So like you go to Amarillo and places like that, like you might've missed the first one, been going with the day money on the second one. Yeah. And I would always rebuild. Right. Well, like healers should never give up. Like if you turn the steer, they heal it. Right. No matter what, even if you got to fish it on, you know what I mean? Like it's if, even in the practice pen, that's a necessity, but I might break the barrier, free my horse up. No, it's three loops. I've, I've missed the first one, so I go back and I catch the second loop. Purely, purely out of entertainment purposes, I would turn the steer, and when Jake would go to throw, I would undally. Because every time, the steer would stop and his hips would come in, and Jake would throw it right beside him. 
boom, and he would get so mad, right? Yeah. But it'd be like, I mean, you've already screwed up anyway, so we can at least have a good chuckle out of it. But right. what it did teach me was when in, in learning how to mess with Jake to make him miss in moments that it didn't matter, I learned how to make healers have the best chances to catch in moments that it did. You know what I'm saying? Like in, in a weird way, it made me a better header by jacking with Jake because we would have matches on the fast lane where you try to make the other partner miss. You know what I mean? You could do how you could handle the steer however you wanted to, to make them miss. And so you could learn how to do it. Well, then in, in reverse, it teaches you what not to do when you need them to catch for your house payment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was a great, I laugh about it now. And, you know, you can ask Jake about all those stories. Like it's every one of them are true, but like in jacking with him, it taught me how to, Hey, if I maintain the, the weight on the steer's head, you know, and I went and healed for some guys at the time event one time and got some different looks, you know, where they'd get too straight in behind and make them hit and then turn them loose and they'd get straight and the angles would change and it was hard. And I left there and I told my wife right then, I said, Steph, I now know what I don't want Billy Jack Sabins to ever have to look at. Right. You know, and then that year we went to the finals in the top five. Like I, it was a great, by being on the other side of that and seeing it, then you, you get a complete and full understanding of, man, I, I don't want you to have to overcome. I mean, those guys, these are world-class healers that can, and there's times that they have to, but we don't want to have to make our living by them having to overcome. Does that make sense? Well, if you got them in a bad situation like that, or like one where they, the mistakes can happen, it just creates those, those times where it might be a big hit for $7,500 or one like right here, you know, a second place at Absolutely. Lone Star Shootout. And, and, you know, most importantly too, like people that are going to take the most from this, you know, it's not going to be probably other teams making that far, but you're going to the World Series Finals. Like you're, you're drawing a partner. You're, you know, do the things that allow him to have the best chance to make you successful, right? Let's not just, well, I turned him, I turned him the high team and he missed him, you know? It's, it's find some accountability where you can help your partner. You know, it is team roping, but yeah. by the same token, where you're going to be successful, you know, help that five Peter be able to have a great chance to catch that steer. You know, it's not just steer stopping, it's team roping. Right. And what you're, and I, what you, I think you're going to see too, a lot at the world series finale, that, that arena isn't that big and right. the left wall comes up fast and it's real similar to like that last roll where especially as the lower numbers happen, the steers might get a little bit low headed or kind of fight their head. They've been roped a lot. Um, you know, to be, to be a slower steer, they usually get roped quite a bit oh, more. Yeah. And so and, that that's going to be something that they're going to run into. So understanding anything we can pressure, do, yeah, anything we can do to help out, man, that's that's huge at, at every at every level. And I mean, that's what I'm saying. It happens from the nine point ropings all the way here to the Lone Star Shootout with the you know arguably one of the best healers in the absolute world. So here we go, high teamer. Right now, this is second high team back. Dustin's got me by half a second. What did uh, what did you have third high call by? Now I've got third high call by a ways. And I remember when I was second high call back at the George Strait roping, and it was almost the exact same scenario. Luke Brown and Cesar De La Cruz have me by. Half second, a little more. Yep. And I'm thinking, and in my head, I'm like, man, if I'm three seven, let's see, that'd have to be four two. So, man, Jake, I got a game plan. I think we're gonna have to be three seven, right? That's kind of the thing. I've never been in a situation like this. And if Speed Williams wrote up to me, and I'll never forget these words, and these are words to live by. He said, "You, in no way, can you put enough pressure on high team to alter their shot. Right. Your job is to take the lead and ride out of the arena. When you're about a half second behind." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and and honestly, anymore, great words to live by. You do whatever it takes to take the lead, right? If I would have had to have been 4-2 right here, I'm going 4-2 to take the lead, right? Unless I've scored bad and pushed myself into having to just surrender and take what I can get. But in a, with an aggressive mindset, do whatever it takes to take the lead and ride out of the arena. And he, Because in this scenario, he's got me by half a second. And I, we make a good run. Like, we're fixing to make a good run. We go five flat. 
It's kind of a puckered up run on my side, right? You're going to notice here I'm going to take an extra swing and not really gain a whole lot off of it. We'll walk through it, and I'll talk a little more about the mentality. Great scoring. I kind of pulled just a little bit uh, to make sure I got out. And, like, here's an instance when you watch this run, you're going to think, man, I went up the pin. I did a lot of things, but we're going to talk about those lines. I got a great start, kind of almost too good a start. Like, I take off, and you see me kind of like, oh, mama, bam, nail it back. And I'm like, oh, so when I got that start, pause. When I got that start, I thought when I took this second swing, I'm not, I mean, it's kind of a reach. And I've got, I don't remember, like six, two or three. I had plenty of time. With the start that I just got, it didn't make me have to gamble with my loop. Does that make sense? But when I take my second swing, I have momentum with my horse. Right. Yeah, the the thing about that is, I mean, you're within a couple couple inches of it. I mean, that is blowing it out of there. Yeah, basically. that's that's really what you want. I mean, I'm touching the rope, and it's coming tight. You know what I mean? Because people need to understand, too, like this, this barrier rope, it pulls, like when it's still on his neck. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to pop off there for this to release. When that flag moves, you have either broke it or gotten out. And my horse's chest is on it. I mean, look at that. Scored like I knew what I was doing. What a great horse. That horse was doing it. Anyways, good angle on my swing. But right here, I thought I would gain more. So I take an extra swing. And you notice I've cued my horse off just a touch more with my left hand. So literally when I throw, I'm in the exact same distance to the cow that I was one swing earlier. Now I don't have a lot of momentum with my horse. Now he's almost kind of dying off just a little bit, and I'm going to push this one on there. It's going to stay on, but this was one of those, like, please don't come off there loops. You know what I'm saying? I took an extra swing and didn't. What I'm saying is I, I let my mentality take an extra swing that I didn't need to. Right. right? If you take an extra swing, either gain a step or, or go ahead and use the momentum of your horse. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, and then what it did was it stuck my horse. I'm kind of really out the front door. In other words, we have really got to second base here. Like I've thrown and I've almost gotten wider. I didn't get closer. Does that make sense? So when I get a hold of him, and you can tell my partner, he is teeing it off. So now the problem is, back it up two strides. I want to see the corner coming out of here. So in my position where I'm at, and I thought my partner did an amazing job of reading this. Right there, technically, is the end of the switch. And you notice the line down that steer's back. Now, this would be a scenario where I would talk about the steer's head is to the right and his hips are to the left. Agree? Yep. The problem is allowing this steer to get in this position when I've started him the other way. Like the second round cow, if I would have let this happen on the third hop, it would have been hard to heal. But where I've showed my partner this line right down the middle of his back, I'm going to maintain that when he's going ahead and teeing off. You can tell he's already made a play off of what he's seen. So if I change that angle, it gets harder. That looks like my daughter's drawings right there, doesn't it? <laughs> so yeah. in saying that, when I set him on the end of it, I, I maintain the same angle I had. So you can go down the arena with a steer only when he's set him on the end of it and your partner has read it. Does that make sense? Yep. You don't ever want to let him go down the pin after I've showed him something else. I mean, ideally, I don't want to go down the pin anyways. But when I showed that to him, I maintained it. The BFI at Reno, when they got that wide arena and you can get down there in the corner, you know, sometimes it's almost a prettier, easier go for the heel horse to head down the pin. But maintain the angle coming out of the corner right. is the main thing, I think, for our rhythm and our, our runs. We'll get back to it on the kind of let's talk more on the, the mental side of that, too. Honestly, when you rope for a living, you got to have a strong mentality. And I walked in here second high callback. And my mentality was I've got 6'2 to go to the lead for $30,000. Yeah. Or 32.5 actually. So rope one steer in 6'2 and win 32.5. First pays 40 in a truck and trailer or the trailer, right? If I'm closer, then I might try to put a little pressure. But in other words, 
I always want to make the best run on the steer that walks in the chute, right? Yeah. So if we were closer, then maybe I would maintain and rope this steer almost like a first round of the jackpot steer. Like you're not walking in there thinking you're going to miss, right? I'm not throwing my rope thinking I'm going to miss. I'm not hail marrying it over the gate. But in this situation, when I got 6'2", let's catch him be done, which I kind of did a poor job of because I didn't use that extra time. I almost just like took an extra swing because I was probably supposed to per the start I got with the time I was allotted. Um, but we ended up being five flat, right? We went like four, seven, four, seven, and then boom, five flat. So not that much longer. I mean, that's a pretty good roping. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times the George Strait roping back in the day, like 14 on three was winning first. And it was kind of funny because Dustin, you're never going to put enough pressure on him. I think, I mean, the guy's unreal. He can do things that, that I can't. So I, I beat this steer with a luck of a little bit of a saltier head loop would have helped. Right. Like I kind of, my head rope stayed on there and it was kind of lucky, but Took it, five flat, you ride out, you feel great about it. I did not expect Dustin to draw, to run the steer that I ran in the first round and beat me by a full second on the last steer. Like when I go five flat, I'm thinking, maybe that's just enough time. He's got to be five, five, you know, maybe that that's enough time that he takes an extra swing, gets out of rhythm. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe things kind of foul up. They go five, six. That's possible, dude. Then he goes four flat. <laughs> and yeah. then at that point, you're just like, hey, bud, tip right. of the hat, right? I beat my steer. I got paid my dollars. And remember, at the beginning of the day, I said, Jesse James, I want three good goes to bear. You give me three good goes to bear. He did exactly that. I told my wife, I want to go be five flat every time, and I'm going to take winning third. So I exceeded my expectations. So define your level of success. I was in the process the whole rope, and I believed in what I showed up to do. I stuck to my game plan that day. I played the game within the game, and I got rewarded. See what I'm saying? Yep. So, yeah, I won second. I didn't win the trailer. But... I won the game that I showed up to play that day. And I think that's important, especially when you start roping for a living. Well, and too, like when we get to this spot right here, um, so predetermined shots. If you kind of want to put pressure on them or it's in your mind and you hit the barrier right here and your rope's up, on this swing, you might fire it. And it and then there's this weird space in your mind where you were going to go catch, mm -hmm. and then they're right there. Absolutely. And it's not in your game plan. And that's where you get that shot where it's like you get a black spot. You're like, oh, there it is, throw. Like, and you rush it. And it mm -hmm. just it just like you see it. You call you it spot ready. throwing. Yes. Right? And yeah. it was always referred to more on the heel side. Spot throwers, guys that threw in the same spot no matter kind of what. They weren't making a read off the cow. They just they get to this spot they're throwing. And uh, you're absolutely right because you can be a spot thrower – you know, too aggressively. And you can be a spot thrower like, hey, you've got this long, you know, you're supposed to take an extra swing, you're supposed to run to here, and then the shot presents itself. That's why the most success you'll ever have team roping is always making your plays off of what the steer shows you. Yeah. 1,000%. I say it's like playing defense in basketball, right? Now, I wasn't a very good basketball player. In fact, I carried one of these and a clipboard a lot when I played <laughs> basketball, right? I was supposed to keep track of everybody and what they were doing. Yeah, you we, know. we played ball a lot. Right, same. so, yeah, you know the deal. So, uh, anyways, the coach always talked about, like, you, you can't, you know, if you're playing defense on somebody, you can't, you know, anticipate where they're going. You make a read off what they show you, right? You find right. a spot in the middle of their body that they're not leaving without, and you make a play off of it. And that's how team roping should be approached, both heading and healing. Like, you should make a read on that cow and go. At the BFI this year in Reno, almost same scenario. We're second eye callback. But at a place like the BFI, where it's a little longer dimensions, a little longer setup, more variables can come into play, right? So half a second doesn't feel like as long as um, – here at the Lone Star Shootout. You know what I mean? Like when it's a shorter setup and you got Dustin Egeskis in front of you, like you almost can't make up a half a second. But the BFI, when the barrier is a little longer, 
some more variables, wider arena. He's further ahead of you. You know what I mean? He's 19 feet instead of 16 feet when you hit the barrier. Things can come into play. I blast the start, same horse, same partner, same setup, blast the start out, and then it's a situation where I've nailed this barrier, use it, right? Like, go ahead and – because I'm not going to miss him. Like, I'm not, like, taking an uncomfortable throw, but don't take an extra swing. Use this good start that I've just got and give us a chance to win first. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And in that situation, I spun him, and the steer handled terrible. Um, and that's, you know, all ancient history. But at the end of the day, I did my job of I nailed the barrier, and I used it to my advantage. Right here, I nailed the barrier and didn't really gain anything out of it. Right. right. Well, and two, I think the steer kind of acts like he's going to be straight or left, and then right there you get to your second swing, and he steps back off to the right, and you don't really gain. And that's where yeah. being able to react and have your rope in the right spot, I think Absolutely. allows you to, to catch that steer. That is one thing that, you know, like I did have my angles good, and I had them, and I maintained that, and I was able to take my rope straight to the target. You see what I'm saying? Like I, when I pick it up, my hand's above the tip going down. And, like, that's one thing I try to really work on is, you know, having headers, we all look different. You know, Driggers' swing looks different than Dustin's. You know, all of them look different than mine because I go closer. I'm older, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but my hand above my tip, and you'll notice – that's always. And then this has also got to be pointed down at that target. And notice how far that is here and versus if I was close, that same angle, right, would be up here. And that wouldn't work because that's a too far from here. From the, it's, I'm, I'm just saying here all the time like people can see what I'm talking about. But what I mean is when your angle stays the same to reach two coils and doesn't change when you get close, it's too high at that point. Right. You know, so I did have a good angle on my swing and that allowed me to, to come straight out of it. And although I didn't gain on the steer like I wanted to, that's a great observation, by the way. I love how you're making great excuses for me not doing that great of a job. I love that pace. That's why we roped good together today. Yeah, we, well, we had, uh, we had, we had one good round, I think, right there at the, on the, we on the cameras. We're going to, we'll get to talk about for sure. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll show the fans. Well, we hated to show the world what we had before we. Yeah. Really take them to the for the money. When uh, when you spun that one a little bit faster, it was like uh, I was a little bit like Ricky Ricky Bobby. I didn't know what to do with my hands there. So, Besides just, drilling, just but so you know this worked out great. Great run, great roping. I'm looking forward to it again here in a few weeks. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking forward to getting that horse back. I sent him back to the barrel racing pen for a little bit to give him a break. Horse did a great job. He got me in the finals last year. He was super green when we started. You know he's the only reason I made the NFR. Amazing. Yeah.